So Malta, over the last uh, decade or so, has grown very much as a flag. Um, we've been uh, developing our own code, and um, like many administrations, there's actually many codes with many interpretations. There's many similarities, and I think this also brings some confusion in the, in the code and officers' uh, operations of that code. And the, there is an aim, or there is a hope on the horizon that one day this one will be streamlined together, but as anything, these things do take time, and then the interim, people like Ajit with the MCA take a very proactive uh, approach to to it, but many times we also clash in our opinions. And uh, so I just wanted to uh, keep it light, we can always discuss later, have more questions, more specific questions. A, a very quick overview, but we've taken our code, the Yachting code, over three, every five years, you could say, we issue a new edition. But we've also um, noticed that we're not keeping up with the changes of that. Uh, changes are fast, digitalization is a very big issue. We are, um, uh, especially down in the engine room, we're finding many, many new. <coughs> developments which are going in every other direction and uh, and that's also for example down to the builders themselves who are opting for different propulsion systems powering systems and it's going to be very challenging to see how we're going to train our engineers of the future um, we i'm just going through these slides as pretty pictures to be honest but we do get various challenges. So we do get things like racing yachts. We've got um, the uh, training yachts. So we're still very much uh, promoting it as much as possible because we do believe a lot in them. So we do support them. But many times also our regulations and requirements don't help us support these kind of vessels. So we specifically target them in our code. And um, yeah, historical yachts, we all like them. We have to keep but um, yeah, going back to historical yachts, there's a lack of trade and maintenance. No one riveting ships. There's all these gaps with trades besides uh, people on board. We <coughs> we use the code to uh, support the super yacht industry. So we're very much in touch with um, owners, managers. We recently also uh, worked with the system of government surveyors, so we get a fair lot of valuable feedback from them on uh, the trends, especially, or what they keep finding, uh, and the most with exponential issues which require immediate reaction. The um, attractiveness of our code is its flexibility. We do believe in flexibility, we do listen, we've spent the last 24 hours in constant discussion with every person presenting something because their products, in our opinion, are all valid. And uh, we see potential in all of them. The problem is we do get conflict. Um, earlier I was talking to IGIT and we also agreed that operations of ages 
that from one maker to the next. It's a whole new experience. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's confusing, if you ask me, from the other person who likes standardization. That's talking as an engineer. As a yacht code, we do tackle these issues. We're going to helicopter operations. You know, it's all nice in the super yachts that have helipads. But when you compare the level of how we handle helipads, helicopters on, on the super yachts, and we compare it to the offshore there is a very, very big difference. You know? And uh, HLO officers, and it's, at some point, we all need to tackle it head on and admit that this, this needs to be looked at, this needs to be <coughs> But we also need to do it without hurting the industry. We want to help the industry, we want to make people more proficient in their operation. And that also involves not overloading the current officers on board. So we're very hesitant to changes that uh, are going to overload captains. Or Western, what we call captain managers in the office, are already over there. They are also trying to deal with the clients on board, owners on board. They're very overloaded. And we need to find ways to make their life easier. That's, that has been our, let's say, strategy starting from this year, is that we're, we're, uh, we want to improve the quality on board without sacrificing work-life balance. That's very important. In doing that, we keep throwing more regulations, which is actually the opposite of what I just said. Um, so this has been identified. You know, it's so easy to just add another, add another, add another chapter at the end, which is what we've been doing over the last few years, you know. Um, we've identified these kind of these issues, and we are planning to revisit the whole code in a more practical sense. Um, we're working very closely with uh, builders who are actually deciding how this vessel in the future is going to be operated. And builders have different uh, agendas. So many times it's uh, what we call a volume-based design. For them, uh, the minimum, which is typical of these codes, for them that's the maximum, which is surely not the spirit of a safe, safety accident. But it has become a reality where the codes have become the minimum requirement. Just walking around in the dock, I saw 24 meter yachts, like 23.98, 199 gross standing. Yeah, this is really pushing the envelope of the size. But on such a vessel, it ends up falling under the recreation crop directly. Just to give an idea, manning on such vessels is, is two persons. It's both, you know, and we say, yeah, that's fine. So the, the designer, the builder, were very smart. They managed to find that loophole. But diligence, it, it, there's more to it, you know. And uh, this is something we, as a authority, cannot always enforce. But they're, they're satisfying our regulations. And we also expect the management out there, the, the crew, to, to be better crew, to actually understand their operations, where they're going, what they're doing. Um, I'm still new at this, I have patience with me. <laughs> I tend to talk very fast. But uh, yeah, so we do listen, we understand, for example, when we introduce static chartering, no, that, we, we pick from open projects. But um, many times we also find that incorrect stability is applied. Um, they, 
they don't understand their responsibility, even though we're going for a static charter, it's not just, okay, I've got 200 people on board. Am I satisfied with the prescribed condition? These are things which are overlooked over, over and over again. It's uh, without adding another, we're trying to find this magic formula which is going to integrate everything. Our yachty is well informed. But at the same time, as I keep saying, I don't want to overload that information because all of us know what happens. We stop listening, we stop learning. But it's very important to get out there. We are moving to we're all this challenge as an administration. No, we want to, like you said, party out a tanker outside. So we want so we, we also listen and yes, we're happy because votes can't take it. You know, there's good so we're happy to do it, but we also it's a bit of a give and take also, you know, we need the stakeholders, the operators to do their part in, in diligently following up requirements or, or even good seamanship. Um, as a flag we noticed there was a need for a passenger yacht boat, which is taking no super yachts is limited to 12 passengers. The, the new trend we're seeing, the amount of builders approaching us, the amount of contracts being placed, but people want contracts. So everything is good. So we're hitting now 36 passengers, technically, now, let's say, convention investments, so that's compliant. But again, structures are so that we below that convention. <laughs> really designed for the super yacht, to cater for the super yacht. So our approach with our passenger yacht has been to, to give equivalence whilst understanding the, the, the operation of the, the passenger ship. Uh, and our lessons learned from conversion guys. It's a very interesting approach. We do actually indirectly continue supporting the service requirements by giving equivalent sources up to those requirements where it makes logical sense and it actually applies to, to our lots. Uh, it's a unique approach, but as I said, it, it works and uh, it's actually a growing trend. We see it coming, we're, we're expecting many more and the challenge is very much on you guys also in this new market that is evolving, and uh, it's evolving faster than, than uh, we expected. We, as I mentioned earlier, we have a five-year, uh, our yacht code is issued every five years. We've recently, especially through a flag state inspector, we're talking to the officers and crews of we've noticed that we needed to dedicate commercial yachting Specified with conventional drafts. But earlier we used to mix everything together with our convention. All the tankers and bulk carriers, we finally cut it out. And we're listening. Now people are saying <coughs> we're showing too many. <laughs> but we're trying to catch up. But that's it. A, a crew qualifications, I'm really going to keep it brief because uh, I think I just really went, went well into it already. But we, we recognize main international and non-estitical it's, it's the We have a list, we are um, actually planning on publishing it now. So now we could say it was limited to the agents and our government surveyors, but we're, we're going more open, more transparent. So even the US, let's say, crewing 
managers understand what you're taking on or not when you're approaching group. Um, we do have, especially <laughs> during the summer, we've had many issues with, especially with port state control, <coughs> doing a non-cooperation vessel, or let's say below 500 tons, they get lost. They, they expect uh, air vents to be up 760, they expect everything to be like on a normal ship. And crew qualifications is not the other the fifth department. We've had quite a few detentions based on just them not understanding what the requirements are, what's accepted, safe manning of. So um, we, we've been very open, we're, very, uh, we're even going to certain countries to give them a training on, on uh, what to expect when the, the chaotic season opens. But it's, it's uh, another way out we're going to do is uh, we, we've decided that the crewless will be a bit more efficient more uh, approved, so to say, by the flag, so you have a better document to present to both states country. Another issue we get is they always want the translation for it not to their language. And we've also identified that a said document can be prepared by the captain, reviewed by the captain, and uh, if necessary, we can also endorse it from our direct. So this is the next, where we're going, we're waiting for the summer season to finish to start developing this we recently issued, we are issuing, or we have issued a, a CY notice on uh, layout of vessels. Again, it's another gray area. People don't know how many crew to keep on board, how many not to, how to keep it safe. And uh, we're trying to issue guidelines to guide you along, but many times it's specific also to the country you're in, the port you're in. And so there's also, we're open to to you approaching us for proper clarification or even um, Incidents and accidents, this is where we start pointing fingers. We point fingers at ourselves. Uh, we believe uh, there's a lot from our end to do. I think we all should be pointing fingers always back to ourselves. Um, but um, especially this summer, there's been an incredible increase in allusions at sea. Um, the feedback I get, overcrowded bays, everyone wants to be in the same place. But we've also had many cases of allusions that, that full speed ahead. So this was also very poor seamanship issues, uh, no passage planning. These are things we do come up with. The only reason I mention them is because they are repaired. It's not a one-off, it's a recurring situation. And the trend is always in the negative or on the upwards. And this is, this is not where we're trying to step in now and say, okay, how are we going to deal with it? One is by information, scaremongering, I don't really agree with it. But I think we need to find a way to do it properly. These are the challenges we have set on our high people. Um, fires, again, I'll be honest, we haven't had many fires on the our commercial yachts. It's mostly been on private yachts. But the trend is there, the trend is falling. Walking around, I see everyone with these nice toys. And, uh, it's it's the new challenge. It's the lithium batteries, and, and uh, we've got with the approach of awareness, and, but it's actually negatively taken by the industry, and that, that was very surprising. We expected more, actually, more of a proactive approach, and, and there are smart ways, and there are smart engineers out there, 
who can't come up with smart solutions. But it is a, a very big problem and, and it's a reality. Uh, we, we're still working with the awareness, but also by just introducing a new requirement. We do have requirements, but they don't really cover it all. Next step is again remind the pharmaceutical bank that they should also be supplying you the information on how to prevent a fire and how to take care of it. So there's a lot to it. There's electrical connections. There are very poor many boats I've seen the treated sockets just jogging in the wire and just so wrong. There should be breakers, there should be temperature monitoring on the bathroom. Same like we treat our phones, we tend to have in care, we don't seem to do it our toilet. Another thing which is very close to heart with us is uh, injuries. We, we get very little feedback from operators. We don't get anyone reporting it. And it's, uh, we, we do get it, let's say, from the DOC managed vessels, as is retired, but many yachts don't have it and they don't report it. It's an obligation. But um, it's it's very important because it, it does bring change. So when we see threats, when we see we can react. But without that information, it's very difficult for us to react positively. Um, future trends. It's uh, running a bit, but we're we're talking to many stakeholders in the industry. And the water industry being such a big industry, it's also a big convention we do find that there's, there's about 20, 30 different parts to go green in the future and how they and to cover all those parts it's it's uh, impossible to prescriptive regime. So it's it's very much going to be a risk based, risk goal based approach and, and it's going to be very unique to each and every yacht. And it's going to be very interesting to see how our engineers can, can, can keep up with that jumping from yacht to yacht cannot be that simple anymore as, as it was before. Um, battery installations we've pretty much spoken. Polar and expeditions, again, we're, we're very uh, strong in our polar and expedition, let's say, convention vessels, and we see the trends coming down into the yachting sector and more and more and more. And this is something actually we're quite excited about and happy to support. We, we know we're good at it, we understand it, and we know how to realistically approach such vessels. So that's even more important. Um, a direct, uh, we've spoken about paperless yachts and data, so I can skip that. But another interesting one is gross knowledge. Uh, we have many working groups going on, there's a nice one going on also with Red, with CBAS. And the reason why I mention it is. Your sandwich is a function of your volume, the volume you get to endure. But when we're going for greener ships, uh, just use the next slide just to give you an idea. It's, so for example, this is a normal uh, diesel oil fuel vessel. Let's say that's a quantity of fueling for diesel. When we start going green, it's all nice, and, but it starts taking more space for you space you want to keep your toys in your extra boat, an extra cabin. So if we switch to methanol, which is basically a hydrogen carrier for fuel cell vessels, we're almost doubling the capacity required on board. 
they would go to liquid hydrogen, which is basically pressure vessels or gas tanks. We're going up to four and a half times the, the original volume. Batteries, they're pretty, if you need range, you need space. Just, just to give you a bit of a... But these are the challenges also our builders are facing, design concept exactly. And now is the time to be there supporting them and finding interesting ways. Rough standage, unfortunately, is what's keeping them back from changing. We're talking about this. I think I've spoken enough. Some Five minutes, even though it's fascinating. But, uh, yeah, any questions? Or? Thank you very much, Bob. Yeah, we have a few minutes. Actually, one comment I would like to make on the environment. Um, I think that um, you know the yachting as we knew it has ended eight months ago. Um, before the oligarchs, whenever we would get calls at the PYA office from journalists, it would be the Daily Mail, the Sun, you don't take these calls. Um, the general public knew about yachting, they didn't know what it was. The oligarchs have put yachting, professional yachting, in the court of public opinion. And I think, you know, I've done the interviews today and yesterday, an hour ago it was Bloomberg, now we talk to CNN, the BBC, we cannot not concern these people. And very soon, we're gonna, as an industry collectively, we are going to be asked to be as accountable to society as the oil and gas industry and all the other industries. And our license to operate is with, in the hands of the general so I think collectively we need to really start getting our data together on the positive economic benefit of IoT, and the next next thing is that uh, the environment, sustainable development. What do we do? Sorry, I use your time. No, my pleasure. Any questions for us? Just a comment. Um, I was sorry. Um, I was very interested to see that you're making. Um, special um, arrangements for classic historic yachts and for racing yachts. Um, because there's a lot of that professional crew these days, uh, racing yachts. Um, you kind of slip under the radar. Um, there's not much kind of regulation on them. They're very, no, they are recognized by us. And uh, actually, one of the green trends of Asian is now this green uh, product, basically. The sailing boats crossing the Atlantic, taking a tiny tiny rainbow for it. That's what racing got to come back in uh, there, there's many, and there's many new bits going on. Sail over mountains, taking surfing. There is those opportunities, and but we do recognise these. Can I just ask a quick question about um, the uh, the Belgian government issue a certificate of competency uh, for yachts as Master 500, uh, which takes two weeks to achieve. Um, the MCA and the Red Ensign Group, unless I'm very much mistaken, um, don't don't recognise it uh, for that reason. Uh, does does Malta? <coughs> yes. The answer is you do. Okay. 
question is why they are allowed to uh, produce certification not a standard like chapter 2, a standard like uh, chapter 7, something like that, special uh, CUC. Uh, why the other administration recognizes it? I mean, the MCA doesn't recognize it. Well, no, so, since that is not my party, I want to come and attack the MCA. Yes. Not us, the MCA. Any, any, any other questions? I, I had a question on the engineering group, but I don't know if it's something that I can ask. Because I, I know that Transformata has finalized the debt route for yachts. Uh, all the COCs are now available. And what about engineering? Is like a small vessel route going to come out as well? I've spoken to some of the schools. It um, seems to be more, at the moment, focused on uh, merchant Okay. So, of course, those will be eligible. Yeah, so for the moment... And also as maritime entity. I mean, there are discussions ongoing about also with the authority about the particular small vessel engineering, yes. But this will take some time until it's working with transport water. But the unlimited is available and hopefully will be available even on the private sector for next year. One more question here. Hi, today I'm Rebecca Architect as well. I uh, was wondering uh, which chapters in the uh, Malta uh, commercial yacht code do you think are the most different from the Red by Sea? Which oh, chapters are? We have, to be honest, we've stopped comparing it. This is the second edition. It's a code on itself. This is actually, as I said, that there is a standardization of the industry. It can only get more difficult to design this. Because they, there are many uh, builders who go for the option of uh, offering, let's say, European flag design or non-European. And they only choose two flags, but they can't keep up with all the different codes up there. And uh, this is the reality. I know CBAS is very busy right now. <laughs> So far, that, that's that's on the larger yachts, but it is recognised, and uh, we're we're all in favour of synergising with each other. But there's a lot of stakeholders in the industry who want to put it out. So yeah, as I have, we did not check or compare. It's got its life alive on itself now. One question. Well, I just follow up on this because I have actually done that kind of exercise and. Uh, it cut not what was just mentioned now in this question. Uh, MLC and crew qualifications. If MLC had to be standardized between the different flags, it would save up a lot of confusion and, uh, and crew qualifications. Those are the two main ones that MLC covers in the Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, you're staying afterwards. Uh, no, well, if he's not saying so, you better grab him. Many more engagements coming up. But what I suggest is that we take. Thank you anyway. Thank you very much. Thank you. And, uh,